This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. On this edition of the Lens Report, Elon's Twitter, it's the content creator's Christmas gift that keeps on giving. The difference in the Wells Fargo and FTX situation leaves the freedom-loving crypto bros wishing they had a mommy too. And a Christmas tradition out of Sweden you probably didn't know about, that you needed to know about, and you're going to know about it now. It involves arson, so stick around. Right out of the gate with a story that is relatively inconsequential, but we can't stop talking about. A Kardashian, if you will. Maybe that's what we need to do. Label these Kardashianistic news pieces. Elon Musk tells the world he's stepping down as Twitter CEO as the story breaks that his assassination coordinates story uh, is beginning to fall apart horribly. Musk qualified the banning of notable journalists, including one of the driving inspirations of this podcast and host of the hit podcast Countdown with Keith Olbermann by saying that those journalists were doxing him. These reporters were scribing on about the banning and relocation of the account that gave real-time, publicly available information on Elon Musk's jet. The mere mention of this account, without location coordinates, seemed to have uh, credible journalists suspended from Twitter immediately. Elon went on a Twitter space broadcast later to explain the move, only to be repeatedly shot down by Logic, so much so that he Irish exited the space and proceeded to nuke the Twitter spaces entirely. Not just that one, I mean all of them. Around the globe. Twitter spaces the next morning seemed to be operational and it also led to Twitter issuing a trigger-happy rule that stated that you're no longer permitted to share your contact information or any content that is hosted on a list of other social media sites like Mastodon which happens to be where the Elon Jet account has decided to uproot itself to. We still haven't reached the most embarrassing part of this story, though. Twice in the last week, Elon's mom has come out on Twitter to publicly defend her golden egg. She tweeted some supportive thoughts on how he was making very smart business moves for him in a tone that was very akin to, you're an idiot if you don't think the same thing as me. Well, color me stupid. Elon must have been too busy in Qatar with Jared Kushner and their mutual Saudi handlers to defend himself, so mom had to come to the rescue. Another fan who happened to be in Qatar at the World Cup with Elon and Jared Kushner seemed to have overheard a conversation where Saudi bankrollers were telling him to find a suitable CEO for Twitter. This of course is hearsay at this point, but probably the most believable part of this saga. These money men don't mess around with their investments. Elon's tweet from Tuesday night read, I will resign as CEO as soon as I find someone foolish enough to take the job. After that, I will just run the software and servers team. Sure, Jan. Now back to the doxing portion of the story. The identity of the assailant who was stalking a car that didn't contain any member of the Musk family has been revealed. He's a guy from Connecticut who himself was allegedly followed into a gas station by a member of Elon's Gestapo. The man was verbally accosted, 
videotaped and even hit, allegedly, by the security team member's car. The Washington Post ran a story, and we have all the breakdown of that encounter available at DeanLundell.com for free. Wells Fargo has taken a bit of heat off the Crypto Bro Arena this week by being bootfucked without lube by the U.S. CFPB. That is the U.S. Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. They've just ordered Wells Fargo to pay $3.7 billion, with a B, billion dollars for widespread mismanagement of auto loans, mortgages, and deposit accounts. In November, the expectation was the settlement would be in and around $1 billion. The judgment found the company repeatedly misapplied loan payments, wrongfully foreclosed on homes, and illegally repossessed vehicles, incorrectly assessed fees and interest, charged surprise overdraft fees, along with other illegal activity affecting over 16 million consumer accounts. It probably shouldn't go unnoticed here that those 16 million consumers are receiving justice for someone mishandling their finances. Regulatory protections in place will ensure those consumers get some justice and some reimbursement for being hosed by a predatory practice. I can just hear the FTX investors collectively awing right now. How's that unregulated, multi-level marketing fake money scam working for you guys? Yet another stark contrast to remind you that you should exercise extreme caution while wishing for things, as you may just receive them. Okay, being Christmas, we will end the podcast on a lighter note. Also because I am already three eggnogs deep. You may not have heard about the Gavla goat before. It's an annual Yuletide tradition in the Swedish town of Gavla that has marked Christmas there for decades. But there is an unsanctioned sinister movement that plagues this art exhibit year after year. The Gavla goat is a 12.8 meter, three ton statue made with a wooden skeleton covered in straw. The town has built one every year before Christmas since 1966. It's an offshoot of an old pagan tradition in which Swedish people place much smaller straw goats around their homes during the festive season. The very first year the statue was installed, someone burned it down on New Year's Eve. During its 54-year history, the goat has only survived unscathed about 15 times. The year is not over yet. To combat the vandals, the town has ramped up security over the years, hiring guards and deploying 24-hour video surveillance. The goat itself is thoroughly doused in flame retardant also. Mostly, all of this has worked. But last year, the Gavlobachen went down in flames. The year prior, it was spared, but it lost its little brother. A fan of the Dean Blundell podcast, Emil Erickson has a personal connection to this tradition and helps us to understand the impact on the country. While the tradition started as a local attraction, Emil, who lives about 180 kilometers away from where the shrine stands, says the town of Gavla is proud of their goat. They hate when it burns. The rest of the country thinks it's hilarious when they fail to protect it. If it burns, it's the biggest headline in the papers the day after. Probably an age division between the traditionalists and the arsonists. Most of the time, the perpetrator is young and the complainer is old. His father, who is now retired, makes miniature versions of the Gavlabachen to sell, and I quote, My father does indeed build small versions, but mostly to finance a booze run to Germany once a year. But it's a bit of a craft, and since retiring, I think he likes the hobby and being productive as well. As of press time, December 21st at 9.15pm Eastern Standard Time, the great Gavlabachen of 2022 still standing tall as we speak. 
As a side note, Emil told me that if the goat burns before December 13th, it is ordered to be rebuilt. If it is burnt after that day, they just cash in on the insurance and mutter angrily, 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 there's the eggnog, angrily amongst the locals until the following Christmas season. I, for one, love this tradition, and I think we should start something similar with that smug motherfucker Bonhomme out in Quebec. I see you, you grinning, snowy French fuck. Your days are numbered. <laughs> uh, we should probably end it there. For the Lynn's Report, wishing you and yours a very Merry Christmas, even you, Quebec, and a prosperous 2023. We will see you in the new year. Check us out at DeanBlundell.com for all these fun stories that you just heard. the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.